Hello, wine friends, and welcome to Sip, Sip, Hooray, the podcast for people thirsty for fun stories about wine and the interesting people who make it. We are two Marys who like to eat, drink, and be merry. I am Mary Babbitt. And I am Mary Orlin. And today's guest and his winery, I like to say there's three words that define Alan Viader and Viader Vineyards and Winery resilience in overcoming major fire events, determination to plant a vineyard and start a winery in a very challenging location that required dynamite to clear the land for planting the vines and perseverance in overcoming all of these challenges and COVID on top of that. And today we have Alan Viader, who is the winemaker, director of operations at Viader, winery, his family's winery. Alan, thank you for joining us from Howe Mountain in Napa Valley. Mary, it's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. We are excited. Both Marys are happy to have you with us today. And you know, I think we should start. I mean, you know, that whole thing about the phoenix rising from the fire, that's truly your story. And in addition to being a winemaker, I understand you are a recent graduate of Cal Fire's fire academy so you're a certified firefighter as well so can you tell us how fire has impacted uh your life and your family's winery as well yeah unfortunately uh, a little too close to home a little too much experience um these past few years uh the uh 2020 glass fire um came came up the hill from uh from the canyon just below our, our vineyard and off, you know, um, near the reservoir that's that's directly below us. And it came up the hill, up the canyons, followed the terrain, and then um, essentially encircled the property. And overnight, as the winds picked up and it got into um, alignment into the canyons of Deer Park Road, uh, it came down like a freight train um, through our property down into the community of Deer Park and uh, took out most of uh, what was in its way. Um, luckily, my mom uh, built the property using the natural stones and lined her house. Um, the walls of her house on the exterior have you know, rock walls. Uh, the tasting room is completely covered in rocks. Uh, the winery is completely covered in rocks. There's slate roofs. The, the landscaping was pretty minimal. We used a lot of the giant rocks as, as landscape structures just because they're too heavy to move out of the way. And um, they have this beautiful moss, uh, or I guess had beautiful moss all over them. And, you know, it, it really helps uh, keep the, uh, the structures, um, uh, you know, let them let them uh, be spared. Uh, yeah. But but unfortunately, the vineyards you know were organically farmed, so we had uh, the the grasses and everything mowed down and and laying just on the ground as like a as a mulch, a thick mulch, um, because it gets really hot and dry in California, um, hence yeah. the fires. But uh, we like to do um, a nice layer of mulch to kind of keep the moisture in the soils and helps the vineyard um, protect the vineyard, give it a little bit more of a break in the, the heat spells. So um, that actually came back to bite me because um, the fire came up the hill, followed the grasses, um, and we use only wood end posts and stakes and it just loved all that. So, Oh, Alan, yikes. Mm. How scary, how scary to go through that, even though you've had experiencing um, with um, search and rescue in other fires that have happened in the Napa Valley over the past four or five years. Yeah, I, I started search and rescue about five years ago um, and luckily had some good training. We had a, a fire department, um, actually a firefighter on the on the team, and he did a lot of training uh, in the spring of 2017 on fire behavior and um, actually a lot of the same uh, material that I covered in modern fire behavior this year in the academy. So um, pretty good information. And that has always stuck with me. And then when uh, uh, October of 2017 hit, um, we were all thrown in 
you know, all hands on deck to evacuate because everything was moving so fast. The winds were 80 miles an hour. Um, the entire Atlas Peak was on fire. You know, it was just taking out neighborhood after neighborhood. So uh, the sheriff's department wanted everybody just to go and evacuate as many people and clear as many homes and properties as possible ahead of the fire. Um, so that was, uh, it felt like we were in the middle of a fire hurricane because um, there was embers all over us. Uh, we were all wearing Nomex, but you know, fire was coming across both lanes of the road and we were it was on both sides of the road and we were kind of stuck to a fire engine and the fire engine would clear a little way uh, in front of us as we would uh, evacuate the houses. And then if the fire got too dangerous, then we would all have to move to another road and we would continue the evacuation. We'd never leave, we'd just kind of move ahead of the, of the fire. We're always about 500 feet away from the fire, but um, the way that that fire was moving, it was moving like, you know, a football field a second. So uh, it could have been, it could have been worse, I suppose. Oh, um, we I were able to save imagine. a lot of people. I remember this one lady, she, uh, I woke her up because um, this was all throughout the night and um, she was more worried about getting her cat than evacuating, even though the fire was literally like burning her neighbor's house. Um, so found her cat and helped her uh, get in the car and go. <laughs> oh my word. Yeah, how scary. It's funny how people, you know, they find comfort in those little things. I mean, it's, it's a family member. I, I understand it. Right. Well, and, and the panic that people go through in, in a crisis like that. Um, mm -hmm. Just incredible. Well, I'm, it, so now you are big on fire prevention. So what kind of stuff are you doing to try to keep that from happening again around, uh, you know, at least protect your property and vineyards? Are you replanting everything? So we are replanting the vineyard um, and, and the vineyards, you know, did slow the, the, the fire down. And it did um, definitely, I think, uh, was a good reason why, why the, uh, the house is still there, my mom's house, because uh, she's surrounded by vineyards. But um, fire prevention, the property has always been very well maintained. We'd always uh, done some uh, limbing of, of branches kind of as high as we could reach making sure, you know, pruning and maintaining the, the, the balance of the trees so that, you know, the, the ladder fuels, which is kind of going from grasses to bushes up to the tree canopies, that's what you want to avoid. Um, so we wanted to eliminate any of that. But, but after 2017, it was kind of in the forefront of our minds. Um, fire was definitely, you know, an important topic. So we continue to look at the property and continue to do more and more uh, cleanup and maintaining. And then in 2020, this year, we had uh, the LNU, the lightning strikes. It was absolutely incredible. We had, I don't know how many hundreds of lightning strikes and almost like 50 fires erupt that, that morning. Um, so mm. that was in August. And that really sparked in me of this drive to get everything cleaned up as best as we could um, and then harvest everything as well, as fast as we could. And I had a full, uh, winery. Every tank was full with all the grapes and gosh, uh, about like 10 days later, the, the glass fire hit. And, you know, I, if I didn't harvest, I would, I would have lost everything. So, um, wow. and, and we, we did do a significant amount of, of trimming. So everything was, was as good as, you know, it could get defensible space. So the fire department had a bunch of strike teams staged at our property all day long. I mean, even the newscasters, they were, they had their video cameras, you know, on my mom's deck, which is no longer there, but wow, you know, they were filming at five o'clock news. They were filming on my mom's front porch. Mm -hmm. So um, the fire didn't seem like it was going to be, that intense at that moment but you know overnight it kind of just took off um well i guess it's the unpredictable nature yep. of wildfires especially with the yep, wind exactly hmm. and it's super hard to get back i mean we live in a very rugged area the hell mountain is just volcanic just rocky uh, rocky and rugged and steep and very little access and um, we actually butt right up against uh an like a land trust property and a lot of, a lot of land, thousands of acres of land that is untouched, undisturbed. Nobody goes there. It's, mm. um, we used to hike it as kids, but um, other than that, there's no, 
there's no maintenance or anything being done on that property. So it was a lot of fuel, fuel for the fire. Um, you know, it, as much as we protected our property, it was just too much. Coming yeah. at a, you know, it was already coming mm -hmm. at a hundred miles an hour. So at, how do you, with another, we're in, heading into another really hot summer and a drought year. How do you like, not just want to pack up and get out. You know what I mean? Like yeah. what keeps you working at this and being willing to, uh, you know, stay, stay the course with this on a, in a scary, uh, mountainous area in a wildfire district. Well, you know, we're farmers. I mean, we're the eternal optimists and <laughs> we, you know, we love that property. It's, it's our life. My mom created this, this, vineyard estate out of nothing and you know like you were saying earlier i mean she dynamited and had to do you know the impossible to make it happen every mm -hmm. vine had to be put in with, with jackhammers and you know it's it's a labor of love it's 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 definitely an accomplishment and you know to have it you know we're not going to pack up and, and just bow out you know we've had we've had little fires here and there um, there's fires when I was in high school, I remember there was a couple of fires and, you know, electrical uh, transformers would, would spark and start a couple of trees on fire. And uh, I remember in 2008, there was a car accident right next to our driveway and that caused, you know, the, it started the hillside on fire. I mean, there's little, little fires here and there and, you know, mm -hmm. we've dealt with it. And this one will, you know, is a little, a little harder and knocked us down, but, you know, we get back up and we just look forward and, you know, how can we improve? How can we learn from it? And how can we move on? So that's what we're going to do. Right. And, and that's the resilience I was referring to at the top of the show that, um, with all these adverse events, um, you all still keep going because your mother, Delia Vieter, when she, started the whole winery project she was quite a pioneer Absolutely. in the late 80s um tell us about yeah, that so my mom came from argentina um she actually she studied in, in europe with a phd in philosophy and then decided to uh go to go back to school go to berkeley and get a uh, master's in, in business and while she was there decided to kind of visit the wine region of napa valley she loved wine she grew up with wine it was part of the family uh, Kind of culture have you know wine with with a meal and her time in europe made her fall in love with you know the, the wines of bordeaux and and obviously um uh brought kind of that that experience with her um so she was really kind of uh you know attracted to the the wines that had more elegance so she was really in you know enjoying the wines from Dominus of the time or Opus One of the time that were really, mm -hmm. really good, more kind of old school uh, or old world style, um, more restrained style. And she, she kind of saw a need there. Um, there was a lot of big, powerful blockbuster Cabernets and very few uh, elegant style wines and uh, very, I don't think there were very many at all. Um, maybe Spotswood had a little bit of Cabernet Franc, um, but there were mm -hmm. very few doing Cabernet Franc and she loved Cab Franc. It was one of her favorite varietals. So she um, planted 40% of the property with Cabernet Franc uh, on a hillside that uh, everybody told her was impossible to plant. <laughs> and um, you know, with a varietal that people said was inferior to Cabernet, why, why would she do that? So she, she did a lot of things right. against the grain. Um, and yes, she did. And um, you know, she really put Cabernet Franc on the map, especially in Napa Valley. And I personally want to thank her for that because I love Cabernet <laughs> Franc. Um, yeah, know. on this property, it's so special because we get really good sun exposure. We get late ripening. Um, it's the best of, of it's not as, as cold um, at night as the valley floor. And it's nice and warm. It's maybe, uh, maybe 40 degrees on the coolest, coolest night of the winter and uh, 50 degrees during the summer. And it also doesn't hit the peaks that the valley floor um, gets. There's this constant breeze because of the, of the mountainside, um, you know, which didn't help us in the fire situation, but it, it, it helps us all during the growing season, makes really good uh, quality fruit. The Cabernet Franc especially loves that, that location. It, it creates this wine of, of beauty, this aromatic, this floral component that um, 
I've yet to see its equal. Mm. So um, it's a very unique site. And you basically, you grew up on that mountain, am I right? Yeah, my mom's house is there. It's It was my front and backyard growing up as a kid. So, so were you always going um, to go into the biz, the family biz, or did you entertain ideas of another career choice? There's always other, you know, you always want to be a hero as a kid. So, you know, you're trying to do this and that, but, you know, really work was uh, part of the everyday life being a small family operation, just kind of getting off the ground. And my mom would put me, put me to work wherever it was needed. And I enjoyed it. Um, I learned that I loved to work with my hands. I loved to work in the vineyards. I loved to farm. I loved the, just the concept of growing and creating something. And eventually I, I fell in love with the final product with the wines and, uh, when I was old enough to appreciate wines and um, kind of completed the circle for me. Uh, I, I don't think, I, I think I was 25 when I finally kind of, when it got uh, kind of set in and I realized, you know, I was a really good farmer, but I can be a better farmer if I'm also the winemaker because then I'm farming with a purpose and vice versa. You're a winemaker. Uh, you can be a better winemaker if you are also the farmer because you're kind of doing things throughout the growing season to, to, impact the final product. So that makes complete sense. Um, so Ellen, can you for our listeners who um, may not have had a chance to visit Viadere, can you describe the vineyard? Um, because it, what makes the vineyard unusual is the slope is so steep. And the vines are, at the time were planted in a different direction, orientation than was typical in Napa Valley. And um, tell us why that mattered. Yeah, so my mom brought all this experience that she saw from the, the best vineyards in, in Europe. Uh, she realized that it needed to have uh, a slight slope to it um, because of the drainage. It allowed the vines to struggle a little bit more. Um, so she found Viadere to be special, this, this property to be special. Um, because of that, it was on the foothills of Howl Mountain. It's It, it was supposedly impossible because of how steep it was and how rocky it is. Um, it's a 32% uh, grade on average. It's like a double black diamond ski slope. Um, and, and she planted up and down the hillside, which was very, very unique. Um, she wanted to go with the sun. Uh, it didn't matter um, how, you know, everybody else around us was uh, at the time doing very wide terraces, uh, you know, some as much as 12 foot wide terraces uh, with you know, vine density of, uh, I don't know, 700 vines per acre. She wanted to do very high density planting, have the vines compete for nutrients. There wasn't very much water, so she wanted the vines to stay small. So she wanted to plant them really close together. So they're only four feet apart and um, a six foot rows. So we get uh, over 1800 vines per acre. And you know, the vines are much smaller, more compact, they only have to produce maybe on um, you know six six tiny little clusters of, of fruit per year. Uh, the vines are uh, very small; they're very low to the ground, so they get all that uh, radiant heat from the from the rock, from the volcanic rock, as it releases the heat at night. Um, as kids, we would run around in the summer nights, and you know we'd be barefoot, and the the we'd lay down, look at the stars, and you know the the rocks would be eighty degrees. Um, it was, wow! It was incredible to to experience that from from that angle, um, because that's how the vines are experienced, and, and they're uh, riper sooner um, because of that. I, I feel like they're respiring longer throughout the night. Um, they don't they don't shut down as soon as the sun goes down um, because of that that latent heat. Um, but everything uh, revolves around the sun. So my mom was, uh, you know adamant and planting east to west so that the vines would be or the the fruit would be protected from the canopy uh, throughout the whole day there was no question of you know is this the morning side or the afternoon side going to be right first or um, is everything going to be uniform no uh, the way that she planted everything is is protected all day long it sees sun the sun will move around uh, you know the top but the fruit below is always um, protected from direct sunlight, you get the heat, you get the exposure. If I uh, remove leaves on a cooler year, for example, I can I can really go through and manipulate the canopy and open it up and expose as much as I need to. Uh, vintages like 2010, 2011 really 
uh, you know, excelled because I had that, that option because of the sun, the uh, light intensity there is just, it's like the perfect solar panel array. You know, you have everything <laughs> 32% gray that's, that's, that's at this really nice angle to absorb all the sun. I love the idea of you guys um, taking this on as like the the harder, the not obvious way to plant the, the, you know, the hillside as opposed to the valley and taking on the challenge. And you have not shied away. I mean, you guys, like Mary was saying, your perseverance, your uh, resilience, you, you started with a challenge and the challenges have kept coming your way. Um, we didn't even talk about the 2005 warehouse fire. Um, oh, yeah. You know, that destroyed what well, I think your entire 2003 vintage that you were ready to ship to exporters, distributors, restaurants, etc. But that warehouse fire kind of changed the way you guys are running your business now. You, uh, you're direct to consumer now. Can you tell us a little bit how about that and kind of that pivot and, and, and why you made that decision? Yeah, the 20, uh, 2005 fire, that was in. That was intense. Um, I remember that. Um, <laughs> I remember it too. It was, <laughs> it was yeah, huge I, news. I, and it was an arson fire. And I think it's important to say, which is extra yes. sad. Yes. And I was, and I was there doing some labeling like a few, few hours and the day before. I mean, it was just, mm. it was just nuts to, to get, I had a friend of mine who's on the fire department give me a call and he said, Hey, I think you need to run down to, uh, Mayor Island, uh, I know you have your wine there because he also he's a he's a winery um, winemaker as well, and he he said I know you have some wine stored there, so maybe you should go check it out. It's, it's you know quite a big deal, and so I started driving um, down, and you could see the the whole sky was covered in black smoke, and you know I got in uh. and got to see it. Um, as they were fighting it and it was just sad when when we were finally let into the building you could see just the destruction and it was the fire didn't do that much damage to the actual stock it was when the building was getting put out because of all the foam and the water and, and everything is stacked really high in cardboard boxes the cardboard boxes collapsed and then that essentially just shattered everything so your heart must have huge, huge mess. So, your heart must have just sunk when you saw that. Yeah. Big... Well, I mean, I, I had to give my mom a call and unfortunately give her the bad news. And um, at the time we were doing uh, a lot of distribution. We were making wine that would uh, be in you know, every top restaurant all over the world. We were in, I don't know, 18 states or 18 countries and almost, you know, 45 states. Um, we were very well distributed. And that was, that was our model. And, you know, in a blink of an eye, all of that is gone. All the placements that we had, the continued relationships um, had to be put on pause. We only had what was still left at our, uh, in our winery at, in the caves. We had all our uh, magnums. We had a few pallets of the 750s that we managed to uh, bring back. But, um, yeah, it was unfortunate. Uh, the majority of the 2003 was gone. And, you know, we had to call in some favors and luckily we had a really loyal fan base that uh you know really um supported us and we sold direct we we opened up our library um we literally hand writ wrote letters and offers and said hey you know if you're interested we have a couple 2001s we have some 2000 we have some 99 97s and little by little we uh, got those uh, into the hands of our customers and you know, they, they kept us going. They kept the, the lights on. So um, we continued that route and we kind of, in, you know, enhanced that program. And, and it's been a, a huge blessing. We've, we've been direct to consumer ever since. Um, it was unfortunately a, a huge disaster that got us there. But, um, you know, it's, it's been nice to have this, this loyal customer, you know, group, this wine club you know, following and it's very small. It's almost like we're just a you know, big happy family and we make a little bit of wine and they buy it. That's kind of how it goes around. Well, at the time you had no way of knowing how important that pivot would be to help you no. get through COVID and the pandemic. Yeah. It, well, even before that, it was the, uh, the recession hit and mm. 
you know, nobody was nobody was buying at restaurants. Nobody was buying wine anywhere except um, through, you know, people were still drinking wine. So they were drinking wine at home, um, but they were only buying from their favorites. And we had built this following and it was kind of you know, a similar idea with, with COVID. You know, nobody was allowed to go out. Nobody was allowed to go to restaurants and people were buying and um, drinking wine at home. And they, again, turned to their favorites. Support support the small family businesses that they that they've been you know supporting. So I love that. And am I correct in understanding that uh, you also no longer use a warehouse to store any wine? You you built a cave? No, we don't. No, we we have uh, all our storage on site, underground, totally protected from everything. So yeah, once burned, twice shot. Say, <laughs> yeah, you can't say fireproof, but it, uh, I'd be shocked to see anything happened in the caves so yeah it, just... it was it was safe as the the fire the 20 the 2020 glass fire literally hit every inch of our property over the top of everything and uh, i remember going into the cave and it was absolutely perfect like as if nothing mm. happened wow. really it smelled like smoke oh nice i'm glad to hear that Mm-mm-mm. and so during so... covid were you doing like more zooms and things like that because many wineries oh, who yeah. didn't have um maybe as tight a wine club thing as you guys do, uh, started really taking on the um, Zoom tastings and stuff. Did you do that as well? Yeah, we started Zoom uh, offerings. I started, uh, we couldn't have people coming to the property. So I just uh, offered the three main wines that we would be offering. I, I personally hosted every single Zoom event. So uh, you get kind of the opportunity to meet the winemaker on Zoom and, and taste the wines and uh, a lot of people really enjoyed it and took off. And and people actually that had wine already in their cellars, our, our club members, they're you know, very loyal ones that had been for, for a decade or more. They would call and say, hey, I've got a couple of these vintages in my cellar. I'd be curious to see what you thought. So then we started making these custom little virtual tastings. And it was exciting for me because they would they would kind of call the shots like, which wines we would open. So I'd go into the cellar and open the wines that they were curious about and we'd explore them together. It was, it was fun. I did that quite a bit. Oh, that's cool. That's very cool. And um, then we had, as a company, my mom just said, hey, you know, today is what we, you know, we know we have today. We don't know if we have tomorrow. Um, so let's just start enjoying the wines. And she went into her cellar deep and we did a full vertical all the way back to, uh, from current all the way back down to 89 and then all the way back up to current. So we had this huge tasting uh, that lasted for three or four weeks. Uh, every day we'd open something new. Oh, wow. And it well, was fun for people on social media to kind of follow along and, hey, I got one of those. I'm going to open one. Of those. <laughs> you know, that that's such a great idea because, you know, that point you made that you just don't know what's going to happen tomorrow and you might as well go ahead and enjoy that wine today. You know, yep. so many people save their wines and save their wines and either that day never comes yep. or they open it and it's over the hill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we hate that. Yes, we, yes. We never want to get to that point. <laughs> so mm-hmm. true. So I'd rather open it slightly young than than the other the other option. So. Well, um, you know, one of the wines I want to talk about when um, when we have guests, we asked that they send us a bottle that tells the story of the winery. And the wine that you sent us is the Black Label Viadair. Uh, I'd love for you to tell us why you chose that wine. Well, the Black Label is uh, a personal uh, favorite of mine. Um, it's, not, it's a wine that I created when I was just starting off as the winemaker. I started in 2006. And I, in 2008, I wanted to make um, a wine that kind of had my uh, my perspective on, you know, being the second generation, um, you know, I love the, the Viader, the classic signature blend my mom started with it. And that's still our top of the line, uh, best of the best. We, we, uh, do single barrel selections and, and the whole gamut with that, uh, to make it you know, as good as possible. And that, that was really kind of the focus of the, of the property, but, you know, as a young winemaker, I wanted to also kind of do something fun and different and exciting and, um, and out of respect. And you know, I very much love that wine, so I don't want to change it whatsoever. Um, I didn't want to do anything to Viadere. Um, so I needed to kind of branch out and do something new. And Black Label was something that 
um, I started playing around with one night. Um, we had some Syrah on the estate, which was fantastic. Um, but the market was just hesitant, didn't want to um, pony up and buy it. You know, frankly, it just, it's a delicious wine, excellent. Everyone in a blind tasting would turn and say, that one is my favorite, but then you'd expose, you know, oh, that's the Syrah. They'd go, eh, I'd rather buy Cab. Um, so, you know, we had a huge demand for Cabernet, not so much for Syrah, and they were planted side by side. My mom being the money person, the, the, the logical person said, you know what, uh, next year after this harvest, we're going to pull the Syrah out and we're going to plant Cabernet because we can't make enough Cabernet. Um, and me being the, uh, the artistic, you know, passionate winemaker, young, um, you know, just, just budding winemaker, uh, fought for this Syrah. So I started blending Syrah with, uh, Malbec with Cabernet Franc and, and some Cabernet and, uh, presented it to my mom with the, with the idea that, Hey, you know, this, this, this needs to, you know, we need to preserve this Syrah on this property. It's special. It's, it's there's not very many acres of Syrah in, in Howell Mountain. Um, so I made the argument and she accepted it. She, she calls it the limited edition because um, she only thought it would be around for maybe a year or two until <laughs> I gave up and, and let her pull it out and put Cabernet in its place. Um, and you know, we're still looking at it. Um, <laughs> and the black label is, is still there. I'm very proud to say that. Oh, that's so good. Uh, I'm so glad that you kept, you know, kept at it and kept yeah. being persistent because it's delicious. I mean, it's bold and tense and so Yeah, so it's nice. It's, it's a different, it's a different style than the Viadere. The Viadere is very, very uh, restrained and elegant and beautiful, but you know, not very flashy. Uh, the black label is more flashy. It's, yeah. it's in your face. It's, it's look at me, look at me. Uh, it's not <laughs> big and heavy though, because, uh, you know, I do like that, that soft, silky kind of mouthfeel. I don't want a wine that really hits you over the face with a two by four. I want to, I want a wine that's a little bit softer and more balanced, but I did want more expression. I did want the aromatics to, to hook you. And I, I love Syrah for the fact that it can add body you know, volume uh, without adding weight to a, to a wine. So well, that's beautiful. Uh, I think it's a really nice dance. We I think you described job. it. Yeah, I think you, I read that you described it as liquid cashmere. That's the Viadere. The Viadere is oh, okay, cashmere. Oh, okay, mm-hmm. okay, yeah. okay. I love that. I love, I love that description. Yeah, for sure. I also like the look at me, look at me, but maybe yeah. also a little coy. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I coy. I love that. I wanted to ask you, you know, we mentioned that you are a firefighter on the side and with good reason. You have a lot to be concerned about where you are and also you you care about your neighbors. So you're, you're um, helping out as a firefighter, but you also have three children and, mm-hmm. um, and you got a real cute dog, Molly. Um, <laughs> I saw a photo of her. And uh, I just wanted you to tell us about your life outside the vineyard and winery. Uh, well, I, I live in a little little town called Yauntville. And it's, uh, it's paradise out here. It's uh, you know, the white picket fence area of, Yaunt, of Napa. Um, it's quiet. My kids and I and, and my wife love to ride bikes and roller skates and you know, go to the store and get ice cream. I mean, it's, it's kind of cheesy, but it's, it's so peaceful and quiet out here. It sounds um, beautiful. It. Yeah. It's, and we have a lot of friends in the area. So the kids will play and, you know, they'll do roller hockey or they'll just, they'll go to the park and play soccer and, um, and the weather's, you know, it's Napa Valley. So the weather's great all the time here. Yeah. Um, we, we do a lot of camping, uh, a lot of outdoors, a lot of hiking. There's both a park, there's skyline park. Um, there's Las Posadas State Park. I mean, there's so many parks in Napa that um, you know, we just enjoy. Um, we enjoy the outdoors. We enjoy being outside and, and getting some fresh air. And you like uh, hiking I, with Molly, or or and maybe uh, are you um, an ATV guy too? Or I do. Yeah, uh, anything that has you know a lot of horsepower and moves fast. I'm probably gonna like it. Uh, <laughs> Does that mean motorcycles I too? I like motorcycles. Um, used to do uh, enduro motorcycles, uh, kind of dual sport on and off road through Mexico, through Death Valley, through a few, uh, a lot of, a lot of fun places. Uh, Lost Coast up in Mendocino area. Um, yeah, oh, lots wow. of, lots of adventurous things. Um, 
I'm, I've gotten my kids into it. Uh, you know, they're still young, but they're very excited every time that I bring something up to go out and go get lost in the mountains somewhere. So, <laughs> you know, we love, we love a good uh, desolate kind of remote off the grid, no cell phone reception, not a person for a thousand miles with a nice, you know, trout filled stream. That sounds perfect. What a great thing for children too. Mm -hmm. And I think I heard that you were teaching Mm -hmm. um, Molly to be on the lookout for rattlesnakes. (laughs) So Molly is a German short hair pointer and full of energy. She loves to point at anything that moves. So yeah, she keeps her eye out for anything. Uh, Lizards, snakes, birds. Um, She's, and, and the good thing about her is that she won't chase it she'll just stop and alert and let us know that something is there and then we realize oh that's nothing and we give her the command to leave it alone and um, and we move on but um yeah it's been nice she's she's been a great addition to the family i i've had a lot of dogs we've uh, went from dobermans to dalmatians to uh, every color of labrador um this german short hair pointer is by far the best dog i've ever had Oh, wow. So I, I, I think I saw on your Instagram page that Molly was actually in an featured in an issue of wine. That's where I saw her. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's where I first met Molly. (laughs) Yeah. There was this, uh, so there was this like entry, you know, opportunity and say, Hey, submit your dogs. And, um, that day I happened to be writing, uh, down here in Yountville, uh, where the mustard flowers were in full bloom and we were riding our bikes and Molly laid down in the middle of the vineyard and she's a dark brown color. So kind of just, you know, the contrast was pretty striking. So I took a picture and I saw this thing come through my inbox and it's like, Hey, I think I've got the picture right, you know, perfect for this. So, um, yeah, it was, uh, <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, she got, she got Very her little cool. moment of fame too. Nice. Um, and then um, on your personal Instagram page, your profile picture has pizza. Are you <laughs> you making pizza? So what's your connection with pizza? Um, so when I was going through school uh, in, in college, I worked part time at a at a pizza restaurant and an Italian restaurant uh, and really learned everything, how to make pizza dough from scratch and pizza sauce from scratch and make pizzas. Uh, and I did that for maybe a year or two. And ever since that, I've always really enjoyed, you know, I, I have always loved cooking and pizza was kind of just the fun casual, you know, if you have only leftovers in the fridge, you can just throw it on a pizza and make some creative. Um, well, you but are, yeah, among, among my friends, uh, I'm kind of the pizza guy and, you know, uh, every Friday as a family, we have family pizza night. So. Oh, you are a man after my own heart. Tradition. You know, my <laughs> husband owns pizza restaurants. So um, you are speaking my language. I love it. Good uh, on you. I love pizzas. <laughs> and, and health, you know, it's a great way for, for kids to eat vegetable. You can throw anything you want on there and it just tastes better <laughs> when it's covered in cheese. So true. So, um, so true. Yeah. So they get their, their helping of vegetables every Friday, at least. We would be remiss oh. if we didn't ask about your mom. How is she doing? How's Delia? She's doing good. She's still adjusting. Her house hasn't been, uh, you know, repaired yet. So every day is kind of a reminder, which is going to be hard, but um, she's enjoying um, kind of the rebirth, you know, reimagining the the landscaping that she had. She had spent 30 years, 30 plus years doing the landscape on the, on the property. And, you know, one night it's all gone. So um, she's been kind of reinventing the, the property and doing a lot of olive trees and cypress and these cherry laurels and just beautiful uh, combinations of, of you know trees and brush and things that um, you know we're trying to rebuild this property to to a greater glory than it was before. So um, she's enjoying that. She's yeah, it's it's got to be tough though. But she, she's um, she gets a good break from all that when we blend together and we go through and select barrels together and we've got a bottling coming up in two weeks so um, there's going to be a lot of wine tasting and sampling and blending and 
discussion around that. So it gets her minds off all that stuff, mm-hmm. you know, the fun, the, the exciting glamorous side of uh, dealing with insurance companies and all the rebuild issues, contractors and whatnot. So, you know, we get to focus on a little bit of wine for the next couple of weeks and actually enjoy, you know, enjoy that. We, the blending is kind of the, uh, the, the time where you're painting, right? You're, you're creating something new and then the artistic you, side comes out. So. Oh, nice. I love that. You get to disconnect from reality essentially for a few hours. <laughs> and do some art with the wine. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Love it. Yes, yes. And um, that's that leads me to say that when I first met Delia, it was a story that we did. Mary and I had a TV show in wine country and we came to Via Dare in about 2002, 2003. And, and it was because... Um, this artist, um, Philippe Dufinois, oh, yeah. he paints with wine, and he was getting ready to do a portrait of Delia. So she was uh, gracious enough to open up her home to our crew and let us come in and film some of the process. Oh, okay, that was you guys. I remember that, that was us. That, that was cool. us. Yeah. <laughs> that was that was really cool to see him and you know see that painting transform into what it is, and then even now. It's continue. Uh, it's evolving every year. It changes slightly. The colors. Oh, the colors, sure. Yeah, it's much more kind of that aged brick color yeah. instead of that dark purple that it was at the beginning. I mean, it's pretty neat to see. Oh, that's we, we still right, have I it. Remember, <laughs> it's oh, up on the wall. In the I rem- Yay! I remember. I remember. Uh, Philippe saying that the paintings age just like wine would age because you know young wines are more purplish in color and as they age they become more brickish or sepia mm-hmm. in tone yeah it's definitely doing that so. but it's amazing to see because even even with that you can still see all the layers and just the intricate details that he did with the wine and I don't I, you know he's the master I'm not sure how I don't know how he did that but it's it's pretty incredible yeah that was a cool process to watch that, that was and a long time also ago. to get to know your mom too what an incredible woman and uh you know you mentioned she's so obviously so uh driven so smart she has put her life into this and uh now mm-hmm. with the help how what fun for her that you have you know that you're a part of the process and is your sister involved too she was for about 10 years and then she uh, met Mr. Wright and moved to New York. So oh, wow. she's kind of out of the picture of doing her own. She went back to school, got a master's and uh, is, is being, um, she's, you know, very successful over there now. She's found her niche over there. Well, good for her. But how nice yeah. for your mom that you are, you know, working with her on this, <laughs> you know, family project and um, that you have, that you came to love it, you know, growing up there your whole life working in that vineyard and in the winery and, uh, you know, just to, t- to take it on now as winemaker is so terrific. Yeah, it's been fun. It's, it's, you know, she's always got a new project up her sleeve and um, it keeps it exciting for me because I love to get things done. And there's always, it, I, I'm better when I have a list of things and I can check them off my and You know, if it's a challenge, even better. I love to figure things out. I'm kind of the MacGyver type. <laughs> <laughs> love it. I love, I, it. I love a good challenge. Yeah. So Alan, um, can you just, cause you have several labels, as we talked about, you have Viadere, but you also, and the black label, but you also have a few other labels and I'm really interested in Intentus. Oh, okay. Well, let's, with Viadere, um, we've got a few labels. That, um, one is called the V it's a Petit Verdot based wine. There's a little bit of Cabernet in there, but really incredible. Uh, that's our big, that's our big blockbuster type wine. That's the, the, the special occasion wine. Um, and, you know, it's, it's really nice to have a wine that, that can age and can stand up with, you know, the biggest of, you know, ribeye steaks that you can throw at it. Um, <laughs> and then we have another wine that I started uh, called the homenaje and homenaje in Spanish means tribute. And it's a tribute kind of when we hit that 30 year anniversary mark, it was a tribute to uh, my grandfather who helped uh, loan the money to my mom to get the property started. And also to, you know, our roots in Argentina and uh, Malbec grape. Um, it's, it's about a 50-50 Malbec and Cabernet. It changes every year, but that's about kind of where it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, tribute to how successful, you know, my mom's vision has become and, you know, grown over the years. Um, we have a, a, a wine called the Dare series that is 100% varietal, um, which we make a Cabernet Franc. Uh, we've done a few other different varietals 
over the years. Uh, that's fun to really focus on a single grape and um, really showcase these varietals for what they what they're good at. And uh, and then yeah, recently I started my own brand called Intentus, and Intentus in in Latin means intention or purpose. Um, and I've always thought that uh, you know I had a purpose in life, and um, you know I I do have a heart to help others. So this kind of was you know I I know how to make wine and. Um, this was kind of an outlet that I found uh, an opportunity that I can make wine and then have uh, the proceeds go to to help others. So uh, it helps first responders and uh, their families and stuff you, with, with the proceeds. So are you kidding? That's so great! Yeah. Oh my goodness! Mm-hmm. Thank you for that. I love people who care yes. enough to give back. You know, um, wow, Alan, that's really impressive. It's small. I, I, I did a ton of, of Pinot and a ton of Syrah and um, looking at doing a little rosé, but I'm trying to keep it small so that it, you know, it's manageable. But uh, yeah, the, the cause is, is important and needed. So, Well, I think consumers are looking for wines that there's a connection to community with. It's not just another bottle off mm-hmm. the shelf. Yeah. That's how I buy wine. <laughs> I love the story. And, you know, if, if I like the people behind it, I'm like, yeah, I'll grab a couple bottles. Right. And, and I think it. I'm a sucker too for family, for small production, for, you know, something crafted as opposed to mass produced. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. I love all that. Well, I love that you're giving back to charitable organizations and, um, and also are continuing to work as a, a volunteer firefighter, correct? I am. Yeah. That's, that's going to be an interesting year. We'll see. Yeah. Well, we wish <laughs> Hopefully you well. very quiet. Well, but, you know, you know. Hope, we all hope it's a quiet year, but we um, need a break. It's, it's good to, that's for sure. I'm sure you yeah. do. I'm sure you do. It's been just one year after another since 2017, especially. Yeah, but head high and, you know, every day is, every day is a gift. So. All right. So you have mm-hmm. on the, yep. on the deck right now, you've got blending to do. Is that what's happening yep. in, at the winery? Final finalizing the blends. Yep. All right. Cool. Got to rack all rack all the barrels and do all the fun fun work. You know the the grunt work. <laughs> That's how I stay in shape. I don't have to go to the gym. You just got <laughs> barrels. Throw barrels around. Yeah. Right. Right. There you go. Well, there you thank go. You. So, Alan. Yeah. So, um, it's all red wine. Has there ever been any interest or discussion about doing something white? Uh. Not, not right now. I think maybe uh, Intentus, maybe I'll do some, some whites. My wife definitely loves white wine. So um, yeah, there could be a Chenin Blanc or Sauvignon Blanc or something in the mm. future. I've, I've mm-hmm. spent some time in Burgundy and absolutely love the white Burgundies. The super acidic, like three pH, just mm-hmm. barrel fermented. I love, I love that style. Um, so, you know, I, I can't say that it won't happen. I, I, yeah, it probably will happen. <laughs> when when I when I, uh, yeah, when I find when I find the right source. Well, your wife right, Mary you Orland and I will all appreciate it when you do. <laughs> yes, Great. I love red, but you know, white, especially when the weather's super warm oh, yeah. and hot, and which it is where I am. Um, white wines are my go-to. Yeah, it's hot today. I'm probably going to be drinking uh, more whites and pinks than anything today Mm -hmm. yep for sure for sure Alan it's been such a pleasure Um, getting to know you and having this time to chat with you and uh we wish you continued good fortune you've had your share of hard knocks with the uh the fires and the setbacks but your your spirit and of being positive and hopeful and hardworking will surely pay off and I think your your loyal customer base shows you that you're doing all the right things so um Continued success to you and the the whole Viadair family. Thank you. Thank you right. very much and, for that. And and many, many thanks for all you do for the community to help out in the many ways that you do. That's really, you know, to give of yourself in addition to doing what you need to do to make wine and run the business. That's pretty incredible. Well, that, more people should do it. We've got we've got room for volunteers, so <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, folks, if you're listening, answer the call. (laughs) Yep. Be part of the solution. We're all in it together. 
I love that. Well, thanks again. And good luck. I hope you're not work too hard this summer on the fire lines. All right. Thank you. You guys have a wonderful day. Okay, Alan. Thanks. And cheers. And cheers to you. Sip, 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 hooray. Sip, hooray. (laughs) Well, Mary Babbitt, you know, what a great chat with Alan Villadere. You know, I'm always impressed and inspired, so inspired when I hear about a winemaker, a winery that is really not only giving back to the community, but he's actually helping to protect the community. And that is something so oh, special. just incredible. From uh, long before the fire impacted his property, being part of the Sheriff's Search and Rescue Team, now uh, getting going through the Cal Fire Fire Academy and continuing to work as a volunteer firefighter, rescuing neighbors during that glass fire. And then also this new label, Intentus, to, uh, which gives back to charitable organizations. Talk about uh, a winemaker with a heart of gold and uh, incredibly brave as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, you know, he's just a role model for what you can do, what's Mm -hmm. possible. If you can, you should. I like that. that He said that the the Mm -hmm. call to get more helpers out there, because uh, for those of you not in California, our California wildfires the last couple of years have been really uh, just devastating. So as I'm sure everybody knows from the news, but uh, we were sure hoping it doesn't repeat this year. Right. Hopefully they, everybody gets a break yeah. this year. Yeah. But, um, well, we just want to thank you all for tuning in and listening to us. Um, you can find us at sipsipparaypodcast.com. We'll have links in there, information about Alan and the winery, how to get in touch with them. And um, be sure to follow us on social media. We are at Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. And on Twitter, we are Hooray one the number one. So, yes, thank you for listening. And if you've got a great idea for a show, let us know. And we will continue to do our best to bring you stories of people who are are changing the wine world, who are making the wine world fun, and who are creating some delicious wines for all of us to enjoy. Exactly, exactly. So, Mary, that's another episode. And everybody, we hope you join us for our next episode. Be sure to go to our website and subscribe to us on whatever platform you listen to your podcasts on. And be sure to share this with your friends and family. We'd really appreciate that. All right, Mary Orland. Cheers to you, girl. And sip, sip, hooray. Sip, sip, hooray, Mary Babbitt. All right. See you soon. Cheers. Okay, cheers. Cheers.